sharing huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite of the conditions he won in Lords. Rain soaked Lords. They're getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. How's it? And welcome back. This is Moving Needle Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Nietling. Well, if you're new to the show, thanks so much for downloading. We are going to take a journey into mountain biking, action sports, human performance, the psychology behind all sorts. And also, hopefully we're going to give you some entertainment, add some value. Maybe you've got some goals you want to achieve. You want to further yourself in sport and in life. Well, the guests I have on you, I hope to inspire you with. Our next guest is a former Royal Marine Commando, and to achieve that status, you have to complete arguably the toughest basic military training in the world, and it is said to be harder than Navy SEALs. In his own words, he said it is 32 weeks of pure, pure hell. He served in Afghanistan during those conflicts there, and he was actually shot in battle. Now, the next guest's name is Ben Deacon. He's become a good friend of mine. He has become quite the character in the world of mountain biking and downhill. He is super, super positive. I think a lot of what he learned during those training can be used in life. His attitude is insane. I love it. It's infectious. So I've gone on a lot of trips with him. It's always great having him around. And he's doing well. He's actually following his passion in coaching and mountain biking. He loves racing. And he's giving back because he's adding a lot of value. And I see that he's got a very good fellowship. But a lot of people don't know where he came from and how hard he's worked in life. So guys, without further ado, you're going to enjoy this. We go back and forth. We have a lot of banter. But there are such good nuggets in this one. So enjoy. Actually, a bit of a mission, more so than normal. But I think that is all all working. What what's been? Well, I've never actually had to like pair my my headphones to my laptop. So all of a sudden, it's like, how do you do that? You don't just swipe up, do you? You know. But you're a YouTube sensation. How can you not find the Bluetooth? Well, because normally we just plug it in, but I lost the headphone. It made, it's a story in its own own right. So I had to phone a mate who had some headphones. We've just moved house, so trying to find a box full of headphones is is non-existent. So I've had to drive a 20-mile round trip to get some headphones. That's how serious this stuff is, you know. That's how serious you take a job these days, Deeks. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't, we hadn't even pushed record yet, and I was crying with laughter. I know this episode's only going to go one way with you no it's too much mate it's too much but anyway so we're uh are we live now then well maybe no. do you think you've no. earned the right of a formal no. intro no I, I think we need i well we'll see we'll see well screw it i'll just run with whatever the andrew Netherling show does no i'm i'm honored to sit i'm honored to sit and have a chat with you so let's do it the formal way, even though I'm not going to edit anything with you, because I know we're going to get gold in between the actual serious questions. So, guy, normally I'll do an in- I'll do an intro for you, Deeks. I'll do it with the top racers of the world, you know? Yeah, that's. Well, I did think that. I thought, you know what? You've obviously got problems when you're having to call me up, because obviously the list is, we've got the A-listers, the B-listers, and we've got the Zs, and there's still no one. So we've dug out the basement now, and we're just seeing what we can churn out. But do it's you, good. is that because you actually think I'm going to ask you one question about your riding? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Everyone knows it's not the riding. <laughs> but anyway, so look, 
give me give me a podium at Forrester Dean or or I don't know Aston Hill or something. All these UK venues, mate. And yeah, that's probably as far as it goes. But it'd be interesting because I think in today's video, you've had the world champs, you've had some absolute legends, and now you're just giving it giving it reality for your fan base, aren't you? You know, you you've, in life, you've got to have like comparable comparable goals. If you just had the the high enders, people aren't really gonna gonna sort of gauge to it. You know, it's a bit a bit more authentic having someone like me on the show. So is it a bit bit more relatable? Is it relatable? That's the one. Relatable, achievable. That's that's the one. If they if they're sat there in their mid forties going, ah, it's a bit twenty. 25 years too late now they're like yeah i can go and get my iphone i'm going to get a gopro and just talk utter shit and see if we can just do something with it so yeah well good. there is a lot of piss taking and a lot of joking about but i do think that is one of the reasons and we'll get to that is i do think you you uh you help people aspire to be better be positive and give something a crack that they probably wouldn't have unless they Next saw time. you <laughs> Big time, big time, mate. It's one of those things, isn't it? But we'll see what questions you've got in the bank, and we'll see if we can give the people what they want to know, what they want to hear. And yeah, we're we're waiting to see. Well, since uh, since I think uh, you do deserve an intro, let's let's give you a nice formal one. Well, I'm sitting here alongside virtually one of the most. <clears throat> Is sandbagging a word I should use? Let me try this again. I've got to get, I've got to get my words just right to give you the credit that's due, but also give a backhanded uh, insult. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. So I'm sitting across virtually from one of the most decorated masters athletes in the whole of the Midlands <laughs> to Northern England. He's one of the biggest sandbaggers I have ever met, but also one of the most fun guys to have around he actually inspires me, and we'll get to that. He's been to war. He's a Royal Marine. He's made it through Hull Week. Ben the Deaconator, Deacon. <laughs> How do you like that? How are we doing? Mate, I actually, do you know what makes me laugh is the fact that Andrew is introducing me on his show. That is so sick. Like, genuinely, you've had, you've had Danny, you've had GM, you've had, obviously, Brent, all these guys, and it's like, I'll tell you what, let's just go down a peg or two. Let's let's just chat to Deeks and just bring it to reality a, a bit and see what we can do. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Dude, Loic Bruni finally got back to me. He uh, Instagrammed me. I've, I haven't even replied. I mugged him off. I'm, I want to chat to the Deaconator. <laughs> well, that's it, mate. you got to keep it real. As I said, like... We we see what we see what stories we can come up with and then we're, uh, we go from there, I think, with today's video or whatever it is, podcast. Well, so let's take the listener back to maybe where it started for you, because not everyone knows of you. I mean, you've got your you've got a signature seat now. You're known as the Deaconator. A lot of the top athletes enjoy having you around. There's a lot of banter, but for the listener that somehow hasn't heard of you or come across your fun YouTube videos, take them back a little bit to has it always been a passion for bikes or was it the Marines thing first? Started off at school. Normal thing, being into football or soccer in the UK, massive, massively into that. And then it got to a stage when we got to sort of 14, 15, 
get fed up of the constant arguments if someone lets a goal in and obviously everyone's arguing with each other. And then my friend said, oh, he's just bought a mountain bike. This was sort of 15, 16. Got on a, got on a push bike, absolutely loved it. And then gradually you sort of build yourself up with your friends around you doing silly jumps, working up to the bigger jumps. And, and then that was when I first started racing when I was... 50, late 15-year-old doing cross-country. Now, in the UK, you weren't allowed to race downhill until you were 16. So it was a case of going to the cross-country venues, pushing up a hill, and then racing everyone on the downhills, essentially. Get to 16, and that is when we did. We had something called the Pedal Hound Series here, which is actually where Bren and Ollie did their thing. Um, did a few races there, and you know what it's like with racing. You get the old bug. You see all the same friends week in, week out. And then gradually it got to the stage where I was getting actually quite fairly good results, not obviously like mental results, but getting podiums at regional level. And I thought, do you know what? I love this. But at the same time, I realized I wasn't I wasn't a Brendan. I wasn't, you know, anyone that special, but I was good enough to do OK, you know. So to obviously sponsorship has changed so much now. If you think back then, it's so result driven because it was all about results or being in a magazine rather than social media obviously didn't exist. So then I realized I'm actually not good enough to make an out and out living from bikes. What can I do? And certainly wasn't an office job. So getting a few decent results along the race, still racing. I thought, you know what? I'm going to join the Royal Marines. It's the hardest basic, basic military training in the world. I had a friend who was a real good boxer and he basically said, look, I'm doing Marine training. I sort of, do this, that, and the other, but at the same time, they're super good at allowing me to go and box quite a lot of the time. And I fell into that trap thinking, oh yeah, great, I can be a frontline soldier, but on the on the B side, still carry on mountain biking, which is the biggest lie they ever tell you. But hang on, hang on, you've just like brushed over. I was kind of going to bike a bit, and then I decided I'll just be a Royal Marine. And if anyone has looked into becoming a Royal Marine, which we're going to dig into, you. How does that mindset, you just, oh, I'll just be a Royal Marine. I mean, that's one of the, arguably the toughest careers to go into physically. So I think what it is, is, I mean, very much like yourself as a racer, you always want to strive to be the best person you can be. Now, when you go into the careers office, you've obviously got a choice of, you know, joining the army, RAF, Navy. And then the guy, obviously, I always knew I wanted to be a Royal Marine because of my friend and. You know, in short, it's, it is widely known as the hardest basically basic military training in the world. It's 32 weeks of what can only be described as absolute hell. So we went in there on day one. So even before you start training, you have various tests. So we have like a four-day test just to get into training. So there was about 120 guys that turned up for that. They all just dropped like flies. And then we, when I first started training, there was only only sort of 80 of us, I think, 82 of us. So gradually, as the weeks went on, you're telling yourself, what am I doing? You know, you're sleep deprived. You're, you're getting absolutely beasted senseless. What I mean by beasting is basically just physically exhausted by the, by the instructors, where they're like, right, run here, run there, run there. And you know, by the time you finish training, you are meant to be fitter, if not, you know, if not on par with an Olympic athlete. But all these guys dropping out like flies because at the same time, you're totally out of your comfort zone. There must have been a good five or six times during that time where I was like, this isn't for me. But your mind's just constantly playing havoc with you because you're like, this is, I'm not used to this. I'm used to 
being at mum and dad's as a young a young kid to suddenly being shouted at by these grown men, you know, threatening to be punched in the face. Not that I should say that. But Deeks, talk about that. So you're already talking about there's 160 odd that start and then quickly they whittle down to 80 and you're saying multiple times. I bet you multiple times in the day, I would assume. I mean, I have no idea how this, how you even got through it. But what does that self-talk look like when you're like, I'm done with this. Like, I just want to go have a warm cup of tea and a hug from my mom. And then what makes you go further? Like, where does that come from? Are you looking at these other guys and you say, you know what? I only need to beat a few of you for this next round. Like, what motivates you to keep going? So what, what it is, they have a big troop picture of everyone. And over the, over the weeks, over the days, over the months, they're getting the black marker out, like shading everyone out. And you almost sit, you get halfway through training and you're like, wow, there's only 16 weeks left of training. And then I've completed it. You know, I've earned my greenberry and I've, I've completed the hardest. You know, it is renowned to be the hardest basic, basic military training in the world on par with the, the U.S. SEALs, etc. And it was, as I said, like during the time, it's actually the, the further on down the line you get in training, the training team are giving you slightly you know, not being your mate by any means, but they're giving you a bit more respect. They're sort of going, right, you, you've stuck it through. And even the last, the last week, which is the commando, commando test, so you have like a nine-mile speed march of full kit that you have to do, then a six-mile endurance course through like basically a big assault course, finish that, and then you've got 10 shots with a rifle and you've got to get six on target, bearing in mind you've, you've gone through all these muddy tunnels and all the rest of it. Then what else have we got? A nine-mile speed of Tarzan Assault Course, which is 13 minutes of absolute hell. And then the final test of the week, bearing in mind you're sleep-deprived, you haven't eaten that much, you've had those other tests, is 30 miles across Dartmoor that you've got to do in seven hours. And when you put it into perspective, yes, you can run a marathon. Think of how hard everyone goes on about being in a marathon, but... You're wearing trainers, you've got shorts. We're doing 30 miles with full kit, boots, rifle. And I'd recommend anyone just felt like a heavy weight of some sort and just try and run with a heavy weight. It's Imagine a rifle, it's just ruining your normal rhythm of a run. And even on this 30 miler, I was just thinking, what on earth am I doing? But by this stage, you know, they've whittled, whittled all the dare I say it, the crap recruits out. So we ended up finishing with passing with 11 of us. So the end of all those tests, that was it. It's designed, they designed to mentally break you because all they want is the most mentally strong, obviously physically, but they make it so hard physically that your mind is the only way that can push you through it's this. Tough. So when you get to combat, they've just got the fiercest, most mentally strong people. Oh, and and it's just crazy having these chats and we go on these trips and we have a, a big laugh, but you've gone through... Like you said, the hardest thing ever, but it was mentally so tough. And that's yeah. what I want to understand is like that self-talk that, that you have to use to let's talk about it. When you are in hell week and what you've just described, you told me your, your feet are just moldy and it's cold and you just physically actually feel like you can't go anymore, but you've got no other choice. What, is, what, did some, what are the, some of the things you said to yourself? Can you even remember like... Are you just like, is there some self-talk like, come on, dude, you've got to get through this. You've yeah. come this far. Like, what does it look like? Big time. I think the hardest thing is that constant battle between you and yourself. You know, you're literally on a, as you say, you're in you're at four o'clock in the morning. You're standing, shivering to bits, like keeping, keeping what's called being on sentry, which is keeping guard of the, of the camp, essentially. So you're there just 
pissed where, where they've chucked it. Sorry if we we're not allowed to swear on there. So you're absolutely <laughs> pissed wet through. You've just been chucked in a river in the middle of January. And then you're there on guard for an hour going, what on earth? And you've just got to tell yourself, look, look, Deeks, it's only 16 weeks left or you, you've only got a few more weeks left. That's where you're seeing the other people drop out and you think, do you know what? I'm better than this. And as the weeks go on, it is the whole, you know, you see it in all the old films, Save It, Private Run, et cetera. It is that whole band of brothers that brings you all together because those those 11 guys I passed out with, if you think of, we've all been to hell and back, but at the end of the day, the reason, as you say, the whole mental toughness is the fact that when you're on the front line seeing horrible stuff, it's these guys that aren't just there as your mate. They're literally saving your life. If you if you got shot, they're the ones dragging you off the battlefield. And it's like it's such a unique friendship that they all have that you can't ever replace that because in normal life, you would be like, no, I'm not doing that. Why should I jump in that cold pool at four in the morning? I always remember... We had to get up at sort of five o'clock for a, for a patrol in training, and we have something called wet and dry routine. So it basically means that when you go to sleep, you put dry kit on. When you go out on patrol, you put all your horrible stuff back on. And I always remember banging my trousers because they were literally ice, banging them so I could put them on again. It was it was ridiculous. We're thinking this is so stupid. You've had like an hour and a half of sleep. You're literally physically and mentally broken, but you're just thinking of that end goal all the time. And I guess relatable to a number number of your listeners is the fact, if you look at like the top World Cup guys, they're in the gym in the middle of January, February, and they're thinking, you know, this isn't why I started mountain bike. And I started mountain biking to do big jumps. But they're not, they're, they're probably, some people are mentally deranged and they might enjoy it. But for a number of them, it's that whole thing that, all of this is adding to my fitness, which might enable me to potentially be a world champion one day. And that's very much the same, obviously, as the, if you think of the Royal Marines. For me, it was my lifelong goal wasn't to be a world champion on a bike. It was that whole thing of going, I want to set myself challenges. And being a Royal Marine was was achievable, you know. It's one of those things where I was like, right, I set myself to it. Let's Let's give it a go and see what happens. I think it's fascinating what the the body and mind can go through, and what about some of the fun that some of the I don't know are they called instructors or the sergeants? You you talked about one time. Obviously, they're trying to mentally break you, and if you fall asleep, I mean you can't fall asleep at battle, so they're trying to get you used to that. And you mentioned that they they were having none of it if you fell asleep, and you fell asleep in class or your mate did, and you had to hang outside on the windowsill. I mean, this is the type of it. It sounds silly now, but what I know why they're doing it. Like you can't have these mistakes a, a, on the front line. No, that, that is, I've got to sort of say that story. So it starts off, you're nicknamed nods in, in recruit training because you honestly just nod off all the time. You, as I said before, it's like you've got the hardest gym session you can imagine. And then you're going out on a patrol with all your rifles, etc., And then you're coming back, you're getting absolutely beasted in the field. So you're doing all these press ups, running with, weight going in rivers all this stuff and then two minutes later you've got to sit sit down when you're not in the like the main camp you've got to sit down in the middle of the field listening to how to camouflage yourself correctly and if you if you end up nodding off then that is it you're getting absolutely beasted again so when we're on camp we're obviously in a classroom talking about various bits and bobs weapon systems etc 
And I always remember they had the, they they've got this bar outside of a second story building, and I'm honestly not kidding you here. If you fell asleep, you started having to do press ups. If you had to do it again, you had to climb out the window and hang off the spot. And literally, obviously, they're all physically strong guys now, but it soon wakes you up when you're two stories up, hanging off. Obviously, I don't know whether I should be saying this, but I'm a civvy now, so it's all good. So. Yeah, so if you ended up sort of saying a bit too much, you had to hang off this bar until you woke up and you had to sort of say, yes, Corporal, I'm good to go again, go back into the classroom and listen. But it's so mentally tough that I've got to remember this when I take it back to Civvy Street as such, where if someone moans about something, I think in our group of friends, it's really good because if someone moans, you instantly get told to shut up or do whatever. But I think when you're taking it to like a Civvy Street point of view, it's like, well, if someone moans that their knee hurts, obviously in battle, you've got to think, well, you're not going to be just stood there moaning about your knee. You're going to be told to hurry the F off because otherwise you're a liability on everyone else. You could potentially get people killed. So it is that whole thing where you've just got to tone it down now and again. But everything you get in drilled in training, it's not a case of, oh, they're doing it for laws. They're doing it. This is serious stuff. You're in the war zone. This could honestly be a matter of life or death. That is why everything that you do do in training is there to potentially save you later on in life, which seems absolutely crazy. But Well, two things, though. I mean, whether our listeners believe in war or not, it's, it's happening. And you so. set yourself a goal to become one of the, the, the best. And you are the best if you can make it through that, that hell week. And then it sets you up from what I'm hearing is for later in life. Like, do you feel a lot of your attitude and work ethic and everything comes from what they, well, beasted into you during Hell Week. Mate, big time. I think the big one for me is cheerfulness in the face of adversity. And uh, this it's one of the Royal Marine mottos. And prime example, and people are going to find this a bit strange, but thinking about where I've come from as far as we've all been embedded in this group of guys where one of the lads lost his leg on a landmine. And no word of a lie, when he got back to the UK, some of the guys phoned him and they sort of, Ben McBean, his name is, real famous sort of story. He's what started Help the Heroes of Prince Harry, which I'm sure you guys, you guys could look up. But Ben McBean basically stood on a landmine. He lost his arm and his leg. And uh, basically one of the lads phoned him and he said, Ben, your flight home cost you a bit, doesn't it? And he's like, what are you on about? Obviously the first thing he hears when he gets off the operated theatre and all the lads are like, well, you lost an arm and leg, you idiot, didn't you? And everyone's like, you're flying no way. an arm and leg. And literally, he, he was just crying down the phone with laughter because it's just a different way of thinking where, yes, it's serious, but things happen. You can't be too serious. Even though, yes, the job's serious, if you mentally just overthought everything, you'd be in a finance... Well, you'd just be in a wreck, you know? You, you can't go... It sounds really cliche, but if you go to a paint paintball centre and you're firing at your mates, it's sort of sort of fun. That's why you go there. I'm not saying a war zone is fun by any means, but because it's so surreal, you're getting shot at and you're crouching down laughing, going, "This is ridiculous." And that is from a normal person, this sounds like I've lost my mind. No, you a hundred percent have lost your mind. It doesn't sound like it. Like you. <laughs> But is that so? But wait, let's let's dig into that. So, you have been at in combat, and it it it's that surreal that you might look at a, uh, your buddy that has gone through Hell Week, and you guys are like, 
wow, this is getting real, but this is so crazy that this is actually happening. Big time, You've dude. actually said to you guys, like, this is pretty crazy, like in a laughing kind of way. Yeah, and My as word. I said, it's, it's the only only way that you can deal with it. And, you know, some of your listeners might know, and I hate everyone normally, this just sums on made up. I, I received a little scratch to my to my ankle, and that was that I got shot in the ankle through a mate's leg. So basically, we're all on the rooftop, and all three of us got hit. And uh, even then, after we got hit, we found ourselves sort of running back through cover. One of the guys carrying one of the stretchers then got shot in the backside, and it was like, literally felt like a Hollywood movie to some degree, but the buzz... You know, I could only imagine the buzz that someone gets from winning a world champs run is probably on par, if not if not similar, you know, where you end up just going, what on earth? You're in this moment where you can't do anything about it and you're literally in survival mode where it's like, right, well, if, if people don't give cover and fire, then we're an open target. If we don't run, you know, as fast as we physically can, then obviously we're going to get shot, potentially die. And, uh, and then that was it. It was just like, well, let's hurry up to the, to the helicopter. And when we got in the Chinook, literally everyone just looked at each other like, what on earth? And everyone's laughing. That's how, like, it's such a weird thing that I think a number of people won't understand unless you're there because it's that whole near-death experience. But everyone survived. Not always remember there was there was a load of um american american army army soldiers on the back of the chinook and they're like hey man you marines are absolutely crazy man and there's me and my mate on laughing gas literally just like what on earth has just happened there's a lad on the floor who's just been shot in the backside we're like tricky what are you doing getting shot in the backside and it was just like so unreal that it was just like it was all just quite funny, but not funny. If you know, if someone had a big crash on a mountain bike, it would almost seem more serious than someone being shot because you're in such a weird world at that time. Now, I'm not condoning what happened, but it's as I said, it all just happens very, very quickly. Where you're just like, you feel like you're part of a movie set, you know, and it's it's mentally scary. But I think it's sort of more daunting when you when you get back, you sit in a bed and you think, my God, that that was real. But obviously at the time, it's all happening. Your training instincts taking over. And as we said earlier, I think it all goes back to that week one, day one of training, why they're trying to get rid of all the crap out of training as far as get rid of the weaker minded people. Because on that battlefield, if you've got someone that just freezes or you know, isn't physically strong enough to lift a casualty off the battlefield, they're essentially just dead weight to you. And it's it's crazy, but so true. So And um all this preparation that goes into it and then you you've jumped ahead to being in combat and I want to be sensitive to everyone out there and, and there's a lot of you have this amazing attitude to it and, and post it and obviously there's uh, you know, post-traumatic stress from war and all those things, but you have this crazy positive attitude like it seems like, and, and, and I don't want to butcher this, but like you've seen how crazy it is. You've been through all that. So like some of these other things that you're doing in real life, you're like, well, I've seen worse, so I'm just going to make the most of this one. Like it seems like you've really just brought that. I mean, you chat all the time over beer and I'm like, this must seem so like nothing to you. Like it doesn't mean everyone's problems are nothing, but it's I, I take that look and you're like, shit you know when you've been through the worst and and maybe losing friends and 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 being at war it, it seems like nothing can really phase you no dude no i think 
as you sort of say, you definitely look at things in a different perspective. Like when I first came home, I remember, you know, people having the most silliest arguments, which seemed so serious at the time. But then when you take a step back, you think, God, you guys are arguing over a car park space or, you know, something, something so sort of little, but in the grand scheme of things. And I guess obviously that's why I'm here today is one of the main reasons that made me go, do you know what? Life is too short. I always dreamt of being a professional mountain biker, but knew I couldn't because of, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the fastest guy on, on the hill. So therefore at the time there wasn't social media, you weren't getting mental results. It was like, well, do you know what? I'm going to have a year out and that's where I'm going to just try and run my, well, not try and make it as a professional by any means, but have a year out and just have fun. I think that's why I've got the following because as we said earlier, it's relatable, it's achievable, but most importantly, we, I guess we all started off riding our bike to have fun with our friends. And, you know, all these years later, that's exactly what it is now, but I'm just lucky enough that I've got brands behind me. So it's nothing's changed. Well, so w w what about coming back from, from combat and, and, and we know how crazy that is. What was that like realizing that you weren't going to follow the route of the Royal Marines, like losing that part of you? Because maybe that is relatable to someone who changes do jobs or some of the athletes, even like me, deciding to retire. You kind of feel like you lose a part of yourself, your I'll identity, and you were a Royal Marine. So there was... Not your whole identity, but there's a lot of identity in being a Royal Marine. What was that like mental battle like? I think that one was probably it was it's a scary experience because let's say, for instance, as a downhill racer, you get to like what early thirties, mid thirties, you're looking at these seventeen year olds absolutely pinning, you think, My God, I don't know, I've had a big crash and I don't know if I can compete with these guys anymore. So you naturally progress to go, right, well I'm gonna take take a step back from racing and do whatever. In that instance, obviously, I was a Royal Marine, and all of a sudden, you're being shot, and someone's going, right, you can stay in, stay in this job, but I highly recommend that you don't do it because you're going to get arthritis, or basically, you're, you're no good to us, essentially. And that's where it's that whole thing where you had no control. Obviously, yes, you had control of it. If you weren't skylined on a roof getting shot, you'd have full control of it. But what I mean is someone's literally gone, yeah, I'll tell you what, you can't do that job anymore because of the way you are physically. Then it's just like, well, do you know what? I've got to look at the bright side. And as we said earlier, so many people suffer with the post-traumatic stress disorder. And a big one for a number of guys is They've wanted to be a Royal Marine or they've wanted to be any, you know, it's not just about the military here, but someone's wanted to do something. Let's say a professional footballer, exactly the same professional mountain biker. You, you, you strive, you strive, you strive to be that person. And all of a sudden, you know, you have a life changing injury and all of a sudden it's like, oh dear, I've put all my eggs in one basket. What am I going to do? And I think a big one with a number of this is how you bounce back to go, well, that's what I want to do next. And the biggest problem with a number of people, if you, if you don't bounce back properly, that's where, unfortunately, mentally and physically, that's where you're going to have, have problems. I know a number of guys who have had serious injuries and bounced back to be motivational speakers or, you know, really successful stories. But unfortunately, on the flip side of that, there's also some stories where they've they've been there, done that, and they, they just put all their eggs in one basket. And now it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not what I used to be. And, you know, you, you sat in that back chair going poor guy like obviously that's where the help needs to needs to go with the various charities etc to try and get this individual back to 
a point of purpose. And I think that's the biggest problem is the fact that these guys, they're the, you know, fit, one of the fittest guys on the, in the military. And all of a sudden they've, they've had, dare I say, a leg blown off. And then all of a sudden this physical beast is all of a sudden then having to find himself going, Oh God, what am I going to do for work now? Or what am I going to do with my life? I can't run like I used to. I can't play football. Even little things where, I don't want to name names, but there's a there's a lad I know, super super nice. He ended up losing. He's the first triple amputee in the UK, and little things like on that battlefield, he wanted to kill himself, and you just think, oh my god, because it's so mental what's happened. But then luckily he had a supporting family. Just day to day, as I said, he's bounced back really well to be this really strong individual and. I dare I say, I think it all goes back to week one, day one of being in that, being in those stress positions going, do you know what? I'm going to prove something to myself. And that is unfortunately where the reason why a number of people don't make the cut for the Royal Marines, but a number of the Royal Marines, if they have had a bad injury, they bounce back to make some, take like a bad thing into a positive thing. But yeah, this <laughs> it's getting quite deep, but that's, that's, Deeks, well, that's that's why that's why you're on here. I think you can serve as some inspiration to people going through tough times, and and you went through a tough time, and and you used your mind to to get through it, and and you had to pivot, change careers, you lost that identity. So, yeah, talk to us about taking the negative of being discharged medically, and you know what, I'm gonna try turn this into a positive. I don't know if I can, but what did that? Yeah. I think it's awesome what you've managed to to create for yourself and how positive you are. And it can't always be positive. Let's maybe speak to a listener that it's not always as fun and easy as it, it looks for you out there post your career. I mean, let, let, let's be honest. I didn't realize how, how mentally unstable I was. And what I mean by that is me, me and a couple of mates walking down the road and a bin lid hit the floor. And before you know it, I'm on the deck literally just going, what on earth's happening? And it's all this stuff that people didn't see at the time. They're thinking, oh, ben, Ben's like obviously on crutches. He seems to be coping well. He's just got back. But actually, in mentally, I, would, I was an absolute wreck. And that isn't even like a, a strong story. You know, so many guys have had it a lot, lot worse. So going back on topic as such, it's just that whole thing where just trying to switch it to think of things to make yourself do what you want to do. So in my case, it was right, you're no longer a Romering commando, what can I do? What do I do to try and dig myself back to where I want to be? And the, the answer to that for me personally was have a year out, let's just do all the things I wanted to do prior to the Marines. And then luckily I got I got super lucky because in that year that's what allowed me to go to Whistler, have a holiday of a lifetime, and that's what started what is my new job, you know. But I got super lucky and not everyone's like that. But I think the big thing is is just bouncing back at the end of that 30 minutes the thing you want to take away is just bounce back whether that be injury job anything just find a way to try and get back stronger to find a way to to get up again i mean it's these all these cliches but they're so true because if you just mentally it looked but it sounds like you mentally conscious you have to say this situation sucks and if you just go down that rabbit hole it's not really going to get any better and i'm not saying it's easy everyone's going through their own struggles but it seems like you consciously were saying to yourself, what silver lining can I find here? Like, what, what is good of this situation? How do I make it a bit better? It sounds like you were consciously training yourself to do that. It wasn't just a natural occurrence all the time. No, no, definitely not. And 
I think that for the listeners, this is something they can take on in all aspects of life. At the end of the day, if there's a bad situation that's taken out of your hands, yes, you can sit there. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for all for sitting there and going, right, well, that's reality. But the longer you sit in that dark place, the worse you're going to be later on. Now, obviously, I'm... It's a sensitive subject for some people, for sure. But I just am the believer that, yes, you're going to be in that dark place. But the quicker you get out of that dark place, the easier things are going to end up later on. You know, it, it, there's there's bad times in life, but at the same time, there's a lot of good things in life. And you've just got to, you know, if you do have a bad time, you've got to just go, right, well, let's let's try and change ourselves to make learn something from that and make something for the for the better, you know. So do you do you believe in like life as cycles? Like I believe that even if you're at the top, it's it's not gonna always be that way. You're always gonna come down and have some bad times or things with your family. There's gonna be hardships there or career. Like I believe in cycles, and if you just get down on the negatives, like how do you get back to to the positives? I mean, if we sort of obviously on a mountain bike topic, if we look at PT, you've done world champs and you're ending up with second, second, second. I mean, if you're if you're in his position, do you the first time you get second, you're going to be absolutely gutted. Now, to all of us, second at World Champs isn't too shabby by any means. But obviously, at that level, he's like, well, I want to obviously win, win this thing, and then I've got it for life. I can always say I'm World Champion. Now, to get second all these years, it, same again. How do you bounce back? Well, in Petey's case, he probably went back to the. He had a couple of weeks in that dark place, and then it's like, well, I tell, tell you what, I'm going to bounce back. I'm trying to get stronger, fitter, et cetera, et cetera, keeping it relatable to mountain biking. And, you know, you can use that as a story similar to my own, but obviously in a very, very different way. We've all had dark places in our lives, or if we haven't, then you're doing well. But everyone generally is going to have a dark, dark, whether that be an injury, whether that, without, you know, we're getting deep now, but it's something horrible at least. But it's as we said before, it's how you bounce back, how you overcome those problems and try and see some positive in that negative you know and it's just as we say if you just do something like that well i mean i've definitely taken that from you and we've always had such good times on the road and and talk us through now like you've you've made a name for yourself in the mountain bike industry and people like to take the piss but the more i step back and i look at it like <laughs> objectively you are inspiring people you're you're getting people out on the bikes you do mountain bike coaching so yeah talk us through you took that year and then you started realizing like i like coaching and you started helping people yeah. uh, become better riders and you just have this passion that shines through in in your youtube videos and having a piss take with your mates or when you go to a world cup or you're doing pov runs like you're kind of self-deprecating at times like you know you're not as fast as the pros and we're like <laughs> we just like having you around there's just something about it yeah. i'm trying it's to give you a compliment there no it's good it's good now do you know what the the all honest thing is when well let's let's tell the story so left the marines went on a trip of a lifetime to whistler never never been so i went for three weeks and it was amazing obviously rode with bren like went out there with jono jones who i've been friends with for absolutely years and that's where i really got to got to meet all the all the top boys like danny hart etc etc and it was just having a laugh on a bike but at the same time i wanted to make a video documenting my holiday that's exactly what it was and 
it ended up going more viral than expected because yes, I'm following Brendog down like dirt merch and doing all these whips or whatever. But I think what made it a viral video was being arrested in my pants, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> that was just the, I guess that was just the Royal Marine days just going, tell you what, I'm just going to let my hair down and see what happens. And yeah, one thing led to another and I got arrested in my pants, which for, and for the non UK listener, that is underwear. Like yeah. it was, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah it's sorry, there might have been a bit of nakedness, so I quickly got my uh, underwear back up so I wasn't stark naked with two cops either side of me. But that was just being silly, bit bit over the top with the old drink one night. And, uh, yeah, I found myself in Vancouver court all week pleading my innocence, I guess. And that's what I put it all in a video. As I said, it was the video is purely just to show my holiday. As I said, I wasn't expecting any of this. It was... I'm going to Whistler for three weeks. I'm making a video of my my fun time. This is what happens. And certainly even to this day, I make videos for me. It's as cheesy as and bad as it sounds like. I make a video for me because it's my holiday and I want to look back at it in years to come. I certainly don't. Yes, you make a video for views or whatever, but that's why sometimes they're not always PC because it's my video. Therefore, if people don't like it, you know, sorry, sorry, you don't like it, but I do. And that's to me what all I care about is as bad as it sounds. So yeah, it's, I can't remember where we go. I just got to get a drink now. I'm getting all uh, too much talking in this. I thought we were done in ten minutes. What you too much talking? Never. So yeah, so that was we were talking about the career. We obviously went to Whistler, made that video, and one thing led to another. Where brands are like, oh, Ben, we really like your video. What? You like me swearing, you like me being arrested in my pants and doing a few bum whips down the trail. You're into that, are you? Okay, cool. And I think for a number of brands now, you know, unfortunately for racers, racing's great. Racing, you've proven yourself, you've proven the products work. But if you're getting, you know, top 30 at World Cup, hell of a result. Don't get me wrong, it's amazing. But unfortunately, from a brand's perspective, if you get 29th at a World Cup, is it really showing that brand? Not really. Or if you look at, you know, I don't want to name drop, if you look at someone doing a potential backflip at a World Cup, that's going to get more more coverage than rolling down in 50th, you know? And it's just that whole thing where, from my point of view, the sponsors came to me and they sort of said, Ben, we love what you do. You're just a, an everyday guy just enjoying what you do. And as we said, first thing, it's when I was 14, 15, first learning the ropes of mountain bike, and one of the fun things was the fact that you're with your friends in the woods having a laugh, and this hasn't changed 15, 20 years later. I'm still doing exactly the same thing, but this time with some high-level riders, and all the, all, basically all that's happened is the little one-foot jump with a couple of bricks underneath a bit of ply has turned into a, a 40, 50-foot double. With wait, 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 wait. What? Are you, are you <laughs> no, saying you can bit. jump 50 foot? Yeah, mate. <laughs> we all know what happened last time. You're gonna yeah. have to send me the the, the, the New Zealand foods. whip jump. <laughs> yeah, well, that, well, there, there's a case in point. I ended up going 50 foot. I didn't necessarily land it, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think the whole thing with all of it is just just that whole happy medium of finding what you love doing, and if people can see that, people are gonna be interested. You know, if you look at if you look at Rat Boy, what how good was he back in the day? Amazing. And now he's gone 
do you know what? I'm not racing. I'm just doing my own thing and people are loving it. I'm not by any means comparing myself to Rat Boy, but you know, you find, you find your niche and you're like, well, that's what I do. That's what I have fun. And if people can, if pe people aren't stupid, they can work out a genuine person from a not. And I'd like to think that if someone saw me in a video to real life, they'd be like, yes, yeah, the same guy. They saw some riders and they were like, oh my God, that bloke in real life is an absolute toss pot. They're never, from a sponsor's point of view, they're not going to be interested, you know. How do you know we don't say that about you when you're not listening? Oh, 100%. I know. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, I accept it and move on. Well, you, know? you are. I, I just, that's the thing. I think you, you're definitely self-deprecating, and I, I I think that's a good good character trait. If you can't laugh at yourself, then what can you laugh at at the end right. of the day? Like, life's just too short, and I think... You are a walking day billboard for life is so short. Can you just make the most of it? Try it. Try and make the most of it. Will I say? Yeah, big time, dude. And that's I've spent my whole life. Well, I've spent all my time in the in the Marines. Con, it's the only way we could get through a day. You, you know, you're going through a real bad situation. What's the best way to cheer each other up? I'll tell you what. We give each other shit. It's like it's amazing because it's that banter. It's that brotherhood that brings you all up together because it makes you realize not to take offense to absolutely everything and find the fun side of, of a bad side, you know? And as I said earlier, the whole motto cheerfulness in the face of adversity. If you, if you actually take that into context with everything we've talked about, whether that be cr having a big crash on a mountain bike, whether that means coming second at a world champs, you know, all the, all these things, well, what do you do? Well, you can't change the past. You've just got to go, well, what can I do to change that so that doesn't happen again? You know, I, for one, won't be in the middle of Afghanistan being on top of a roof again. <laughs> I've learned. I've learned that that gets you shot, so therefore I'm not doing that again, you know? <laughs> I, I, um, I don't mean to laugh at, at that and at the war, but your, your view on it all, you're like, yeah, I physically firsthand realized you can get shot at war. Did you not know that before you went? No, mate, it was just the whole blinkers on going, oh, save money for a few months. Let's try it. No. What? No. But yeah, no, you just, you just obviously knew that, that these things happen. And as I said before, if you ever go paintballing with your friends, it's just that, but high consequence. Okay, I yeah, went paintballing it. with my nephew and like a bunch of 12 year olds. I was so crap, and I was like, I actually thought about you. I was like, this is insane. Like, imagine actually being at war. I think in this day and age, you've got the few that actually go to Royal Marines or go into that yeah. thing. And, and back in the day, you know, even in South Africa, you were forced to go to the army and toughen up a bit. And I think on a certain extent, a few months at the army would be good for most 18-year-olds. Learn a bit of discipline, learn like life's not that peachy. You know, you've got to work for things and shit like that. Thank goodness I was just past the compulsory army. And, you know, I learned to work hard by racing a bike around the world, obviously. Um, <laughs> but anyway, back to the paintball. It was it was terrifying when I actually tried to visualize being at war, dude. Like, it was terrifying. Like, if those paintballs were actual bullets. Like, we couldn't... I couldn't shoot myself out of a paper bag. So it, it would just be insane. Like, I think I think we've gone a lot softer than we used to be. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, weirdly, it's all, it's all comparable. If you think I spent the 32 weeks in basic training getting, like, basically the first 
the first 10 weeks, all they're doing is breaking you, breaking you, breaking you. So they get, as I said before, they get rid of the, get rid of the shit blokes. If, if you did something, everything right, you'd still be wrong. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just a massive game. They're designed, they're designed training around get rid of all the crap. And then what the good guys they've got left, they'd build up to be up to a level. And, if the way you look at that, yes, people would absolutely be terrified if they went as a civilian straight into a war zone. But you know, we're being comparable here for the for your viewers. That is like getting your standard rider who's ridden a blue run around Swindley Forest, and you said, "Right, mate, you're just dropping in down a World Champs track." Can't hold the soul in the wit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, so it's like it's all comparable because it's like. That's all I knew. And what you've got to remember is you're literally just, you you not bash physically, well, you're, you're literally brought back to reality and then you're, then they build you all back. So you help each other out. And that's the, that it's, it's almost like a team sport. You know, you've got to help each other. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're right. As we said before, you could, you could be, let's, let's take a prime example to break you down. The ironing. No, people. People said to me before I, before I joined, make sure you learn how to iron. I was like, oh, shut up, mate. I'm a Royal Marine Commander. I don't need to learn how to iron. So ironing. Everything has to be up to a standard and be to, you know, an A4 piece of paper. If it isn't an A4 piece of paper, then it's not up to standard. So everything has to be A4 all in a locker. You've honestly spent about four hours getting all your ironing in one bit. If he gets his tape measure out, and if there's one bit of fumel over, the whole locker gets thrown upside down, thrown down the stairs, and you're being reinspected again in an hour's time. Obviously, you're never going to be able to do it in an hour's time, but it's all a game. They they're just trying to break you and break you and break you. And you know, one of the funny other funny stories was there was like this big river estuary near where the camp was, and we all had to crawl in all this mud and all this horrible stuff. Then we had to go back to the accommodation. We had to do like space invaders on the walls. So you can imagine like the state of all the walls and everything. Same again, this was sort of like 11, well, seven, seven in the evening had to be spotless by five o'clock the next morning, which obviously is never going to happen. But obviously you, are, you find a way to try and make it happen. No one gets any sleep. You're cleaning all night and then you're off in a field all week on exercise. So it's, yeah, it's absolutely mental, but, all of these things that we've talked about are all ways to just break people down and see how mentally tough you all are because everyone's obviously at a base fitness. You know, you're not going in there not being fit. You've got to undertake certain tests before you even get in. But then when you're in, yes, you're at a good fitness and you're gradually building your fitness, but it's the whole, it's the whole mental state, as we said before. And if you can think of that mental state going into any walk of life, wherever that be, go into a downhill race or go into, I don't know, just, just anything. The more you think about the mental state, that's what's going to help you through life. And give, um, have you, and give us some tips then. Give some listeners some, some tips that, that you've used. Like how about, I mean, must be quite scary trying to follow Brendan down some oh, of these tracks. Scary. So, yeah, so <laughs> tips of advice, don't follow Bren, follow Needles. It's way slower. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> No, that's, like, that's why we're sitting here having a chat <laughs> over a podcast now i've given no, I'm, I'm smart i know like you said you've been to war you know about it i've been down world cup tracks been there done that like i don't need the t-shirt again exactly exactly no i, I just think with anything as you say 
positivity. We probably banged on a, about this so much in in this podcast, but you know the whole whole thing in life. If you, I've got so many look, prime example. I've got I've got a normal mate that just everything he does. Oh, I hate my job. I hate this. I hate that. Dude, this is time you're never going to get back. You're on this planet once. Now, I'm not telling you, right, you need to go out there and become a world champion downhill mountain biker, but you've got this one time on life to do what you want to do within reason, obviously financial strains, whatever. But my mate, every day, I could tell you his week, every week for the whole year, where he's just living for the weekend. He watches the football. He gets drunk on a Saturday night, mopes about on the Sunday, and then goes back to the same job and moans about it all week. It's like, you can't carry on living like that. You've got to go, well, I'll tell you what, I appreciate I've got a certain amount of amount of um, school reports or whatever to get me into college, and then I'm college onto my job. But you can just find ways and people you know to go, okay, I don't like my job. What am I going to do about it? And if you've always got an answer to, or like a solution to your problem, you're going to do well. If you literally just sat there going, oh, this is crap. This is shit. I can't do this. Well, you've only got yourself to blame, you know, and it sounds so, so bad. But in short, it's get off your ass. The people that work hard are generally going to be the guys that are going to get there, whether that be you know, go back to racing. The guys that train over the winter, the guys who look at all their bikes set up are generally going to be the guys who do better than the guys who just get drunk all week and then just get on the bike on the weekend. If you think about a job, the guys who work hard at school or, you know, network or whatever are going to be the guys who are going to do better in, in their job. No, preach, Deeks. Keep, I think keep preaching. Sometimes a bit of tough love is the only way through this. So... Keep keep preaching to that. If you're gonna moan about something and do nothing, that's then I then I agree with you. I'm like, some people have it tougher than others. We're not sugarcoating that shit. But if you're gonna moan about it the whole time but do nothing, then well, you're not getting any help. You know, stop moaning or do something about it. Yeah, and I, I think you using this platform. I think one thing we should talk about is sponsorship. Now. A number of people, little kids, always go, oh, I need to be sponsored, I need to be sponsored. And that's a prime example. If you want to get sponsored, you've got to work hard, you've got to train hard. You you know, from a racing point of view, from a getting yourself out there, like, you can't just go and go to these companies and be like, oh, sponsor me, I want free this, free that. You know, it doesn't work like that. You've got to work hard in all aspects of life, whether that be riding a push bike or being a manager at your local shop. And I think the biggest problem is, in this current climate of social media, people just ex expect if they've got a hundred followers that they're entitled to a free bike. And it's that whole thing. It's, it's still a job. You've still got to work to work your way up the chain. You don't just get given stuff. And even then it's like a li little Johnny who's 14 from down the road. If he's like, oh, I need a new bike. Well, you've got the best sponsorship going. Your parents are going to, you're going to walk into a shop and you're going to be like, Oh, I want that helmet on that bike. It's, it's you know, it's, it's uh, I'm probably rabbiting on quite a lot now, but I just think, as I said earlier. Why don't we leave them with something actionable? And, and if there are young listeners, that's awesome if they're listening in and, and other guys that are aspiring. But it's a two-way street. Sponsorship has always been a two-way street. And, and unfortunately, because you think you get something for free, that's all it is. It's not about getting something. It's what can you provide and then they'll give you something. It's it's two ways, you know, and, and you've got to work at it. It doesn't, doesn't come easy and it doesn't come quick. And unfortunately, social media and this day and age, it comes up a lot on the podcast, though, Deeks. Like I tell you, nearly yeah. everyone, like the social media, like 
do I go racing or do I try get likes and is there value there? Like we're not going to argue which way you should go, but remember you've got to add value and then someone will give you something of value. It's two ways. It's like, well, if you're flat out on a bike and you're a racer, then that's what you should, that's what you, you want to do. Then do it. Don't, I think the biggest problem is with social media is the fact that people are like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. Like you probably see it, see it at home for you, but you might have people, certainly little kids around here are like, oh, I need to make a video. No, you don't need to make a video. You're nine years old. Go and have fun with your friends. And if believe, believe it or not, if a sponsor sees that you're having fun, that's what's going to that's what's going to help you later on down the line. If you're there literally stressing about this, that, or the other, or competitive dads, you know, I get it. I, I get you want the best for your child, but at the same time, it's like the amount of people that I've seen personally who have almost been pushed, 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 and then it gets to the stage where they where they reach the age of buying a car and all this. It's it's like the whole thing where they're, where they're not into the sport anymore. And as we said earlier, whether, whether it be your job or hobby or anything, you've got to enjoy what you want to do in life. Yeah, I think uh, that's quite a good... No, it's a, it's a brilliant way to even end this. And, and I think going back to what you had to endure to become a Royal Marine, to make sure that you can defend yourself in battle, came with sacrifice. Exactly. And if you're not willing to sacrifice, you're not willing to earn that much. Like most good things come with a lot of sacrifice. So I think that's a pretty, pretty good way to end it and, and motivational. And we've had a lot of fun, but there's a lot of gold, the nuggets in between that. I think you're the kind of guy that can just slap someone across the head and, and, and speak real about it. You know, it's a little bit of yeah. tough love every now and then is good. So Deeks, I, I think we'll have to have you on for a more impromptu chat bench race about some racing or talk some more trash but thanks so much for actually providing value and some true nuggets to the listeners well i do apologize it wasn't very jokey it was quite important it was quite sort of in your face it's quite dark and deep but hopefully a bit of inspiration there for all, all you listeners as well so yeah no i appreciate it. that deeks thanks a lot all right mate i'll see you in a bit oi, oi. <laughs> and before you leave Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode and the others. If you would be so kind, leave me a five-star rating. It sure does help. If you can leave a review, write one for me. I read them all. Thanks so much. Make sure you hit subscribe. You won't miss out on any episodes. And you know what? If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend if you can get some value. Thanks so much. I appreciate all the direct messages, all the feedback. It's really been a journey. And I'm loving doing these things and it's great to hear from you guys. So till the next one, stay well.